Hey, welcome to the Transforming Life Church podcast. We hope this encourages you and inspires you in your journey with Christ. So sit back, relax, and check out this week's message. Doing good this morning. Everybody okay? Everybody awake? Ready to go? Man, all right. Good, good. Hope you don't get too sleepy after all that good breakfast out there. Barbara cooked up. Get the ibis, right? We get in here and get all sleepy. It's nice and cool in here, you know. It's like, what's in here going? Don't fall asleep on me, okay? Because I'll preach better if you stay awake, right? Hey, so glad that you're here today. Last week, if you were with us, we started a series called Ridiculous. Um, because there's just some things when it comes to church and God and, and Christianity and the kingdom of God that just don't make sense to the rest uh, of the world, right? And I want to have some ridiculous faith. I want to have, I want to pray some ridiculous prayers that don't make, it can only be God that does it. Amen. Anybody with me with that? And, and so last week we started um, this series looking at the life of Elisha. And last week we talked about having ridiculous commitment. This week we're going to talk about having ridiculous Faith. You guys ready for that? All right, so, so I want you to fill in the blank for me right here, okay? Um, if only I had blank, fill that blank in, uh, life would be easier, life would be better, life would be happier, right? Fill in that, whatever maybe your greatest need right now is, fill in that. If only I had dot, 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 fill in the blank. My life would be better, my life would be happier, my life would be, what, what is that for you? Is it time? If only I had more time, my life would be better. Well, do you steward the time that you have well now? Right? If, if you are given more time, would you not steward that time? You see what I'm saying? Is it really going to make your life better? If, if I just had some more money, right? If I just had, yeah, I heard that. Feel that? Receive it, Lord. Give them a blessing. Uh, but if we just had more money, my life would be better right now, right? Yeah. That's right. Yeah, more money, more problems. It's been said that as well. And that is, yeah, money is great and it does help, but, but if we have more money, would, would that really make things better in our life? If, if, I, if I just had more hair, right? Hair's overrated, y'all. Okay. I just have more, I got, I got more time, Joe. I put all this, I got more money, too, because I don't have to style them good. Come on. If I just had that, if I just, if I just had the right person in, in my life, if I, if I had a different job, I would be just, I would be happier. If God would just heal me, I, I would, things would be better. If I could just get that answer to prayer, if I could just find a, a husband, if I could just find a husband with, with a job, if I could find a husband with a job who looks like Brad Pitt, come on, my life would be so much better. And we, we try to fill in that blank with all this stuff. better or make us happier somehow. So what I want you to do this morning, I want you to do this one, right? I want you to listen to this message with your greatest need in mind. Listen to this message with your, whatever that is in, in your life right now. I want you to listen to this message with your greatest need in mind. We think if we have enough of all those things, that somehow that's going to fill that void in our life. We think if we have enough stuff, enough money, enough relationships, enough that, 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 whatever that is for you. And we end up putting all of our chips and our hope and our strength and everything into those things. 
But we forget this, that God is more than enough for you and for me today. Can someone shout right now? For me? Is God more than enough for you today? We forget that because we're so focused on whatever that blank is, right? And we forget that we're looking to all these things to fulfill us, but there's only one that can fill, fulfill us, and that's Jesus. And he is more than enough. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 says that God is able. Someone say able this morning. God is able to do more. Now, if I left it there, that's like, okay, yeah, yeah. But that's not what the text said. It says that God is able to do immeasurably more. That's because God doesn't have any limits. God doesn't have any, any limits. We serve a God of the impossible, right? And so he is able to do immeasurably more than what? Than what we could ever think or imagine. He is more than enough. I don't know if some of you quite get that today just yet. I'm kind of looking around the room like, I don't know. But maybe I'll try to help you with that this morning. God is more than enough. And even though he is more than enough, many settle for less than what he has for them. Even though God is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever dream, fathom, or imagine, People still settle for less than what his plan is for their life. I think what happens is we often get stuck along the way. I think we get stuck with different things, different situations, different circumstances. If you remember last week, we looked at Elisha with the prophet Elijah called Elisha to follow him. Elisha, Elisha was plowing his father's field. And when Elijah called Elisha, Elisha burned everything. They slaughter all the oxen. All the girls went, oh, but he did it. And they offered it as a sacrifice. And then he burned the plows as well. So he had nothing to go back to. So he had nothing to look back to. So that he could launch forward into his life. And, and, and we kind of challenged you last week to burn whatever plows that you have in your life. So that you're not changed to, chained to the past or chained to ordinary or chained to comfort. Because God is not calling us to comfort. He's calling us out of comfort. And we talked about burning those piles and going all in and giving that all up to God. So maybe some of you are like, yeah, woo, let's do that, burning my piles. And maybe you were working on that this week and thought, let's burn the pile. But maybe you came to a point where you got stuck and it's like, all right, cool, I'll burn the pile. What, what do I do now? And I think it's in that that we often get stuck, that we get stalled, and we get frustrated if we're wrong. So we don't want to do that. We went all in. Burn our plow. But what next? What next? So maybe you started off with some things. Maybe you started with good intentions. Maybe you burned some plows in your life, but you didn't really see that through. Maybe you were going to start praying more and reading your Bible more. Maybe you were going to quit smoking. Maybe you were going to boycott carbs in your diet in your life. Right? You weren't sure where I was going with that, were you? Maybe you're going to boycott some carbs in your diet. Maybe you're going to stop looking at pornography. Stop saying mean things behind people's backs. Amen. Or break away from that toxic relationship that's pulling you back. Maybe you started, maybe you started with some things and, and you burned some files, but you weren't quite sure 
what to do next. I want to challenge you today. If you're watching online, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for joining us. I want to challenge you today. Maybe you've burned some piles. Maybe you've started well, but you don't know what to do next. I want to help you. I want to help you take some realistic steps of faith. I want to help you have some ridiculous faith today and start taking those steps of faith and obedience. We, we think ridiculous faith and we think, oh man, I want the miracles, I want the signs, I want the wonders, I want, I want the healings, I want legs growing back, I want, I want all this crazy stuff and, and tumors gone and yes, we all want that, but it starts small with those steps of faith and obedience. And we talked about that Last week, so I want, to help, I want to help you take those realistic steps. I want to help you take those next steps. What are you doing? You burned your piles. Where do we go from there? So turn to 2 Kings chapter 3. 2 Kings chapter 3. We're still looking at Elisha. Okay? Um, we left last week. Elisha had picked up the mantle. God had called up Elijah in this most dramatic way. Chariots of fire. And Elisha picks up his mantle to carry on his ministry. So fast forward just a little bit. Elisha's done a few things. But in this particular text, you've got a couple kings that come together. You've got the king of Israel. You've got the king of Judah, King Jehoshaphat, which I think is an awesome name. Anyone having that for our son? Come on. If we'd have named Aiden Jehoshaphat Judah. Jehoshaphat was the king of Judah. Come on, that just makes sense, right? She, she, she shot me down there. What do you do? <laughs> Jehoshaphat was the king of Judah, and then you have the king of Edom. And they come together because the king of Israel was having some issues with the king of Moab. The king of Moab, there was a deal that was made between them. The king of Moab begins to rebel against the king of Israel. So the king of Israel goes to these other two kings and he's like, hey, listen, we got to team up. We have a common enemy. He's rebelling against us and we need to do something about it. Will you join me to go fight this rebellion? And the kings agree. So they go and they begin to march and they're marching through the desert. I don't know if you've ever been to the desert before. Uh, we were just out west uh, this summer, just a few months ago. And it's hot. I'm sure in that different part of the world, in that different, I'm sure it was... Nothing like what we hear. But, but we were out west just recently and, and going through Texas and Arizona and all those states and Mexico. It was hot, and it was a different kind of hot than what it is here. Like we get the humidity, and yes, it gets hot, and yes, it's uncomfortable and sticky. But I felt like when we were out of the car that like our skin was literally melting off. And maybe I'm just being weak and insisting so like, that's what it felt. Like I was burning. Right? It was hot. It was 110 degrees one day. It was hot. And so here are these armies, and they got all their gear, all their armor, all this stuff. They weren't, they weren't, they weren't going around in tank tops and flip tops like what we're used to here in Florida, right? They're, they're all geared up, they're ready, and it's hot. And they begin marching, and they run out of water. That's a big problem, isn't it? It's hot. They're marching. They're dehydrated. This is a recipe for disaster. How are you going to fight? How are you going to go into this battle? How are you going to go into this war now if you're dehydrated? Anybody ever been dehydrated? Like, you, 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 you can't do anything. You can't function. You're, you might be a little uh, dizzy and woozy and delirious. And 
upset in the stomach and all kinds of stuff. And now you got to go fight and be on your 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 best game, the best guard, and, and strong and ready to, to fight. And they didn't fight. They weren't up in the trees and laying down in the sand with camo and stuff like that. They, like, they just straight up ran up against each other. I never understood that. You ever watch these war movies? Like, why do they just march right into each other and just start beating the mess out of each other? It doesn't make sense, but it is what it is. That's what they did. So, so this is a really big problem, big deal. We're out of water. I want to come to tell you today, because maybe some of you are dealing with some stuff in your life, and maybe you're watching online and you need to hear this as well. I came to tell you today that your greatest need becomes a blessing when it drives you to depend on God. Your greatest need can actually become a blessing in your life if it causes you to depend on God. If it causes you to seek God more. If it causes you to pray more. If it stretches you a little bit. If it causes you to trust God more in your life. Your greatest need can be a blessing. But what do we do? Because right? it's, it's easy to praise God on the mountaintops. When everything is good, you got a little pep in your step, you will have a praise break real easy. Come on. Yeah, yeah you, you, you'll wake up tomorrow morning, Monday morning, everything's going good, everything is perfect, the bills are paid, the kids are well behaved, everything is going good. They slept, you slept, everybody's in a good mood, right? Fellas, you didn't have to sleep on the couch. Everything's good. You wake up on Monday morning and you, you go into to work and they're like, hey, good morning. Oh, the Lord is good. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice. And, and it's no problem, right? Because you're on the mountaintop. Everything's good. What about in those valley low moments of our life? What about in those low moments when everything is not going our way? When we are struggling with different things. When the kids are acting a fool. When your spouse is acting a fool. When you lose your job or you get a bad doctor's report. What, what happens in those low moments of, of our life? When, 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 when the bills are piling up. Right? Will you have ridiculous faith no matter what is going on in your life? Because what we oftentimes will do is in those low moments of life, in those struggles, in those problems, in those issues, we often shine away from God. Yeah. We often pull away. Well, you know what? I don't feel like being real spiritual today. You go in tomorrow morning, Monday morning, nothing's going right for you. And someone says, hey, good morning. I don't, I don't want to talk to you right now. Or you don't say anything. You just go, you just keep walking. You don't even talk to your spouse in the morning. You're just done. What do we do in those moments? Oftentimes we pull away from God. You know what? I, I'm frustrated right now. I don't feel like being spiritual. I don't feel like praying right now. I'm frustrated. I'm mad. I'm upset. We, we don't feel like seeking God in those moments, but that's what we need. Those are the moments in life where we need to press in even more. Those are the moments in where we need to lift up a shout even louder. Those are the moments in life where, where, where we need to stretch ourselves and allow God to stretch us. And have some faith. Have some ridiculous faith. Because to the world that won't make sense. But that's what we're called to do. Is to trust. Maybe. Maybe. Your greatest need can be a blessing. Because it causes you to drive. Further into God. Deeper into Him. Will you have ridiculous faith? Will you choose to pray through. And pray for your spouse. Even though they're, they're irritating the snot out of you this week. 
Will you pray and, 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 and love them even though it, it ain't going that way, right? When the bills are piling up, will you still choose to trust God and write that tithe check? I'm not, I'm not like begging for money here. I'm just telling you that's what God expects from you. When, when you get that diagnosis, will you still pray? Praise God and still pray for that healing. When you lose your job, will you continue to trust God because He is your provider? Will you still seek Him? Will you still trust Him? Will you have greater faith even in struggles? Will you allow the struggle to strengthen you? Right? Will you allow some strife in your life to stretch you in those moments? Your greatest need. Become a big blessing in your life. I'm just getting started now, so hold on tight. Second Kings chapter three. If you're there, say, "Come on." We're gonna start verse nine. So the king of Israel set out with the king of Judah and the king of Edom. After a roundabout march of seven days, the army had no more water for themselves or for the animals with them. What? Explain the king of Israel. As the Lord called us three kings together only to deliver us into the hands of Moab. But Jehoshaphat asked, Is there no prophet of the Lord here, through whom we may inquire of the Lord? An officer of the king of Israel answered, Elisha, son of Shaphat, is here. He used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. Jehoshaphat said, The word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Edom, went down to him. Let's pray. Oh, the heavenly father. Oh, how we need you each and every day, every hour, every moment of our lives, we need you. Whether things are going great or whether they're not, we need you. God, stretch us today. Stretch us, Father. Help us to have ridiculous faith when it doesn't make sense, when everything is going wrong, and we trust you. Because you are a way maker. Because you are more than enough. Stretch us today. If there's anyone here that has doubts, anyone here that is struggling, anyone watching today, give us ridiculous faith. And we step out of comfort. We step out of our opinion, our thoughts, our fears, and trust in you more. In Jesus' name. Amen. So these kings have come together. They have a serious issue. About to go into war. They're marching through the hot desert. They have run out of water. What are they going to do now? What are they going to do now? Someone pipes up, hey. What about a prophet? Is there a prophet that we can talk to? Is there a prophet of the Lord that, that we can reach out to? And someone says, hey, there's this guy, Elisha. He was a servant of the prophet Elijah. He's part of the Jordan. Right? He's purified poisoned water. Right? He had some kids making fun of him because he was bald and he called a curse upon them. And these bears came out and mauled them. Like, did this... We, we, there's a guy, right? There's a, there's a guy. He's a man of God. Let's go talk to him. And I wonder if people look at you the same way that these kings are looking at Elijah. I wonder if people would say, man, I'm really going through some stuff in, the line, in my life. But there's this co-worker I have. I know they pray. I know they follow God. And I need a miracle in my life. 
I wonder if I could go to them and they would pray for me. I wonder if you could be that person. I wonder if you could be Elisha on your job, in your home, in your neighborhood, in your school. Is anyone looking to you like that? The way that these kings are looking at Elisha. So they, they come up to them, and we're about to read up in verse 13 and 14. They, they, they come up and they meet with Elisha, right? And so verse 13, Elisha said to the king of Israel, why do you want to involve me? Here's what you need to know. that This king of Israel is the son of King Ahab. You remember King Ahab? Right? This is the king that he and Jezebel were going after, Elijah, who is... The prophet that Elisha served under. You see the drama unfolding right now? Right? And so here's this king, the son of Ahab, who, who, who this is the same Ahab who they were doing all kind of false prophet uh, stuff and, and Baal worship. And this is the same king that, that where Elijah has the showdown with the prophets of Baal and, and he prayed down fire and burned up the altar, altar, right? And so Elisha says to this king, why do you want to involve me? And then he says this, and he's so salty. He hasn't forgotten what his mentors told him, right? He's so salty. He says, go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother. He remembered the showdown that uh, his mentor Elijah had with these prophets of Baal. And if you remember that story, Elijah had told those prophets, hey, why don't you shout louder? Maybe your gods aren't. Uh, maybe they're on vacation, right? Maybe they're in the toilet right now. Maybe, maybe they can't hear you. Why don't you shout louder, right? And so we can see a little bit of that, a little bit of, uh, of his mentor in Elisha right here. And he says, hey, what are you doing here? Why do you want me involved? Why don't you go talk to the prophets of your father? Why don't you go deal with your false prophets over there? Why are you coming to me? No, the king of Israel answered, because it was the Lord who called us three kings together to deliver us into the hands of Moab. Elisha said, as surely as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, if I did not have respect for the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not pay any attention to you. I mean, he's still, he's still like, you know, he's still in his feels about all that. And he's like, man, if it weren't for Jehoshaphat, I'd not tell you guys to get out of here, right? I just think that's funny. But aren't we like this king a lot of times? Aren't we like, we haven't really spent much time with God, and then all of a sudden a crisis happens in our life, and it's like, oh God, I need you to get me out of this jam. I'm sorry I haven't really prayed in months, but I need you to get me out of this jam. Right? Oh, well, my marriage is struggling right now. I know, I know we haven't really been going to church, and we really haven't had much of a relationship. With. We certainly haven't been praying together, but, but I need you to help my marriage right now, God. Are we like that a lot of times? Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't pray about buying this house. I didn't pray about buying this boat or this car, and now I'm upside down on my lawn. But, God, I need you to rescue me. I need you to get me out of this. How many times are we like that king, right? How many times are we like that? Here Elijah is faced with a decision to help them. And he does. He does. And if you go up to verses 15 and 16, Elijah says, But now bring me a harpist. Bring me, bring me a musician. And then it happened when the musician played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. And he said, Thus saith the Lord, Make this valley full 
of ditches. Now these kings came in with a very desperate situation, didn't they? Very desperate situation. They came in looking for an answer. They came in looking for some hope. They came in looking for a word from the Lord through Elisha. They came in looking for a miracle. What does Elisha do? Hey, man, bring me a harpist. I need some mood music. Right? We need to set the mood here a little bit. Now, this wasn't uncommon, but they would often bring in uh, a skilled musician to come and play some background music, right? And it would create sensitivity to the voice of the Lord and to, to, the, to the presence of the Lord in Him speaking. Now, well, we do that still to this day. We have worship, and it creates a, a, a sensitivity to Him and a focus on Him as we get ready for the Word the Lord. So this wasn't an uncommon thing, but if you can imagine these kings and what they were thinking and feeling, it's like, dude, we just need an answer. We need a miracle, and you're calling for music. What? That doesn't make sense. But he brings in the harpist. He begins to play, and the word of the Lord begins to flow, and the Lord says, make this valley full of ditches. They're dying of thirst, they're not sure what's going to happen. They're not sure what they're going to do. They're about to go fight in a war. And God tells them, I want you to go get to work. I want you to go do some manual labor out here in this hot desert sun. I know you're already thirsty, but I want you to go dig some ditches. Right? I want you to go dig some ditches. Again, your greatest need becomes a blessing when it drives you to depend on God. And in 2 Kings 3, 17 through 18, as we continue to read together, for this is what the Lord says... You will see neither wind nor rain, yet this valley will be filled with water, and you, your cattle, and your animals will drink. This is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord. He will also deliver Moab into your hands. This is ridiculous faith. This is ridiculous faith, right? Here it is. They need a miracle. They need an answer. And God says, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give you what you asked for, but I want you to go do some work. First, this is ridiculous faith. Here's the thing. Only God can send the water, but sometimes he wants you to dig a ditch. Only God can send the water, but sometimes he wants you to dig a ditch. Sometimes he wants you to put in the work. Right? What, what does James tell us about faith? James 2.26. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without what? Good words. See, here's what we need to understand is that faith is not a state of mind. It's a course of action. Oftentimes we, we, we want to get vibes and we'll, we'll say that, oh, we just need to have faith. And, and, and let's, just, let's just keep faith, brother. But faith is, is work. Faith is activated in, in, in our life. And it sounds ridiculous. But that's what God is calling to that. That's how faith works. Who in their right mind would dig ditches when rain is not even in the forecast? It's not even in the forecast and God tells them to go dig ditches to hold all that he's going to pour out to them. Listen, you don't need to, to wait for a sign to come and to appear in your life before you respond. Right? So, so can you trust God, but then also while you're trusting God, while you're praying through, fill out a resume, and fill out some job applications, right? And can, can, can you trust God and pray while spending some time with your spouse, some quality time working on your marriage and, and getting on Facebook, looking into everybody else's life? You can do 
Oh, you can put your faith, you can dig some ditches and work on your marriage while you are praying through it. Right? You can trust God and pray while you are tithing and putting together a budget and sticking to that budget. Listen, the kings wanted a miracle. And they would get it if first God gives them a work order. Go dig some ditches. Go dig some ditches. You really think God needed those troops to dig those ditches? No. But God often involves us in his miracle work, right? How many times did Jesus tell someone, hey, get up and walk, your faith has made you whole. Pick up your mat and walk, your faith has made you whole. I slapped some mud pies on your eyes to heal your blindness. Now wipe that mess off and go and see. God will use you in the middle of a miracle. He's going to want you to dig some ditches. You want godly kids? You have to dig some ditches and take them to church. Teach them the word of God at your own home. Show them what it means to pray. Show them what it looks like to worship. And dig those ditches. And discipline them. Right? You, you, want, you want better finances? Well, you better start digging some ditches. You can trust God and you can pray. And the best way to trust God with your finances is to tithe. So dig that ditch. Tithe. Budget. Stick to your budget. Work hard. Single fellas in the room, you're, you're looking for that one night. God, send me a wife. Well, why don't you start digging? Maybe you need to go to the gym. Right? Maybe, maybe you need to lay down the Xbox and go get you a job. Right? Why don't you dig some of those ditches? Why don't you iron some shirts in your closet? Dig some ditches. You know what I'm saying this morning, church? Only God can send the water, but sometimes he wants you to dig a ditch. And then the next thing we need to understand is that real faith, it believes big, but it's willing to start small. It believes big, but it's willing to start small. Are your dreams big enough to intimidate you? And have you absolutely trusted God in that? Are you playing it safe with your faith, with your walk with Christ? Are you playing it safe? Are you being comfortable with your Because here's the deal. If the size of your dream isn't intimidating you, guess what? You're insulting God. If the size of your dream is not intimidating you, if it's not going to stretch you, if there's not going to be some, some sacrifice and some, some hurt in the middle of that, then, then you're just insulting God. So what's that look like for you? What is God calling you to do? And, and is it to, to share your faith more? Is it to witness? Because that might be a lot for you. But it's something that we're all called to do. So, so maybe that big dream, maybe that big thing for you right now is to reach more people for the kingdom. Maybe it's to witness to your family, to your neighbors. Maybe it's to, to witness to people that, that you come across in, in the stores or out at the, the soccer field, the baseball field, or wherever it is that you go. Right? Maybe it's to, to share. Maybe it's to serve others, whether that's in church or outside of the church. Come alongside of people and, and helping them. Maybe it's giving more and being ridiculous with your giving. Maybe it's stopping what you're doing, stopping in your grocery list and saying, hey, I need to pray for this person. I feel like God's calling me. I, and you go pray, mask it off, right? And you go pray. 
with that person. No matter what it looks like, it might look funny, it might feel funny, but if it's what God's calling you to do, and that's what it is. Have ridiculous faith in that. Maybe God is calling you to foster a child or adopt. Maybe God is calling you to sell everything so that you can give more. Maybe God is calling you to write a book or start a business or maybe go to school or go back to school. What is that for you? Will you have ridiculous faith when God calls you to it? Many of us don't think big enough and even more don't start small. But real faith, ridiculous faith, believes big and is willing to start small. I mean, how do you dig a ditch anyway? That's it. You're, you're, you're out from my notes, Miss Barbara. That's okay. One shovel at a time. How do you dig a ditch? One shovel at a time. And with every turn of that shovel, it's strengthening you. Yeah, it's tiring. Yeah, it's hard work. Yeah, you're going to sweat a little bit. And maybe you're walking through the desert in your life right now. God is calling you to just dig some ditches to have ridiculous faith and to trust Him one shovel full at a time. Dream big. Start small. Dig some ditches. And watch God pour out the miracle and the blessing in your life. Zechariah 4.10 says, Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see what? The work begin. Dream big. Start small. Ridiculous commitment is, again, taking those steps of faith and obedience. One shovel full at a time. If that's losing weight, it's, it's, going, it's just going to the gym. Maybe you got to drive by the gym just to see what that feels like. Right? And just to kind of get, and that's okay. You're just trying to get in the habit, right? And, and, and then you don't want to get up early. And so you just drive by the gym just to get started, just to get you in that mindset. Because that's hard for a lot of people. Maybe it's one diet decision at a time. Right? Start strong. But before, let's put this really, uh, kind of, before this church is ever full, it starts with your one. That one person that you're praying for, that one person that you are working on, that one person that you are trying to mentor, that one person that you are witnessing to, that one co-worker, that one family worker, that uh, family member, that one neighbor. But before we ever get to that place where we want it to be, it starts... I want to share a video with you uh, real quick because I think it really hits this home and, 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 and it gives you just a, a practical look at what it means to start big or to dream big and to start small. So, so can you guys go ahead and roll that for us? Clear your attention to the screen. I was just reading a book. I was reading Radical by David Platt. And he gave some crazy stat that there's over a billion people that are classified as unreached or, you know, they've never heard of Jesus. And that really put a burden on my heart and it made me really want to do something. So I just came up with this small idea like, I'll just design a t-shirt and I'll sell it to people, raise money to help some people hear about Jesus. I went to a youth pastor that I knew and I gave him this idea. Basically he shared a vision with us about Sudan and how if we were to build a Bible school over there, then you know, kids would come and they would hear about Jesus, they'd get an education, they would get cared for, and it would just be a really good thing. Me and my friend just, we designed a t-shirt in math class, and so I gave up all my birthday money, all my Christmas money, and we bought 50 t-shirts that we designed, 
the thought kind of occurred to me, how goofy would I look if I walked around my school with a really old suitcase full of t-shirts? These kids are going to ask what I'm doing. They're going to make fun of me. And at that moment, God was just kind of like, use this suitcase to be able to witness to someone. Use this suitcase to kind of test your faith. And so as I was walking down the halls, I mean, a lot of kids just kind of looked at me and laughed. I could see them laughing. And this kid comes up to me and says, hey, what are you selling these t-shirts for? And I was able to give him the whole vision for Sudan and just tell him, you know, this is what God, you know, sent his son for. And this is, this is what Jesus died for, is for us to be able to, to love him and to make disciples. The goal we have, like, to raise all the money is $30,000 and the t-shirts they were doing a great job selling but selling them for 13 apiece we figured that wasn't going to raise the whole 30,000 so we needed to find a way to raise more money than that and so we decided to come up with this idea that we would just ride bikes raise awareness and get people to pledge a certain amount of money per mile we went to local businesses around here and we also at the church we had little pledge forms and people would pledge 50 cents per every mile we rode or a dollar for every mile we rode we rode from North Texas all the way down to the Gulf of Mexico. It was a 400 mile long bike ride. Uh, it took us took us five days and we stayed in churches along the way and we ended up raising around 4,000 with that. My life before all this, I was, I was real isolated. I mean, I would hang out with my friends who were good Christians, but I wouldn't reach out to anyone and all my money and most of my time it went to eating and sleeping or playing my PlayStation or just hanging out with my friends and not really doing anything that was like living out our faith. I mean, we would talk about God all the time, but when it came down to actually doing something for God, we would struggle with that and we wouldn't do anything. The way all of our friends just hopped on this this thing and just wanted to help out, seeing the passion and, and the growth that we've all had through Hope for Sudan has been amazing. to make room for the blessing that's going to get 
get poured out. Because notice they didn't say, hey, I want you to dig one ditch. He said, no, I want you to fill this land with ditches or many. Because what I'm about to do is going to be more than enough. Because God is more than enough for you and I today. We're not called to live an average Christian experience comfortable. We're not called to just bury and make it in the pearly gates. Our walk with Jesus is meant to be something significant. It's meant to be something powerful. But it's anything but comfortable. It's more than just doing good things and being nice and, and helping others. It's more than repeating a prayer and asking Jesus into our heart only to turn back to the life that he is calling us away from. Our Christian lives are meant to be exciting. We should never be like, oh, God, go to church today, Sunday. Man, you should wake up on Saturday thinking, man, I know we got some things planned on Saturday, but hey, Sunday's coming. I can't wait to get to the house of the Lord. But hey, why wait till Sunday? Why don't you say, hey, I can't wait to just get a hold of God and pray and get in my prayer closet and seek after Him for some time with the Lord. Have that 
thanks for tuning in this week. If you'd like more info about our church, if you'd like to make a donation to our ministry here at Transforming Life, go to www.tlchurchpc.com. If you haven't been to our church yet, we would love to meet you. Come by for a life-changing experience. God bless.